welcome back to the Mountain People podcast with me, your host, Andy Cave. In this series, we celebrate 40 years of the brand Rab and chat with key people behind the scenes. Here is a flavour of what's coming up. We came down one of these ridges that we climbed up. You know, you'd have a bucket seat, you'd be lowering people, and then the last person would have to abseil off a snowballer. As soon as you started, you could see the rope just cutting through the snow. We'd go in the Padan. There'd be Joe Brown, Pete Crew, Martin Boysen, all these superstars, and you think, wow, look at them. And they're just people. Yeah, and they're just people. You know, you get to know it afterwards. They're just punters, just like yourself. Started making a few sleeping bags. It was good because we knew everybody. So I could just go and say, do you need any sleeping bags? You know, kind of thing. And you got immediate intro to them. And also they liked us because the name Rab was very strong in the climbing press at that time. I'm very excited about this second episode with Rab Carrington. Here, we're going to pick up where we left at the end of episode one. And was that after that South American trip that sounded like an amazing eight-month trip, was it then you started to think a bit about the Himalayas and the whole Janu thing? How did that come about? Because it was the same kind of... That was you and Al. Uh-huh. Who else? Brian. Brian, Brian Hall. Uh, you know, John Whittle decided to dip out on this, but we had a willing taker in RBJ, Roger Baxter Jones. Um, and uh, yeah, that was, what year was that? 77. So that was the next year. 78, I think. Was it? Yes, it probably was. Yes, 78. And, big, uh, ma- big mountain, just under 8,000 metres with all these yeah, incredibly yeah, steep faces. Yeah, and yeah. what was the concept? Um, well, the concept was, well, you know, it was, oh, well, we've, d- you know, we've, we've ticked the Alps box, we've ticked the Alps in winter box, we've ticked the South American box, we've ticked Peru box. What do we do now? Oh, well, obvious. We've got to go to the Himalayas. So, you know, what we were going to do there, you know, I, you know, didn't bother me. I, I never bothered, you know, what, I, I've never planned any climbing in my life. So it's just you go there, something will happen. Well, well, it was, you know, there's always someone who will spend time thinking, where should we go? And of course, you know, it was Al that thought, oh, right, there's an unclimbed, Pete, the face there, these face of Janu. Very steep. Very steep. And um, you know, it, where we, the, was it the Yalong Glacier that we, you camp on? And that's about as remote a place as you could ever imagine. So very, very different to, you know, people listening might have seen the big queues in Everest. We're not talking that, we're talking big mountain with no one there at with all. no one no there backup. no you, within you know, we we set up a camp on a moraine bank and the nearest people there was a a yak herders um yes about 2 miles down down the down the valley and that was all the next there was, you know there was just nothing after that leather so, leather boots Yes, yes, we Scarper had made us some leather boots and we'd put neoprene coating. I think one of those might be 
in the in the boot room of the shop outside in Hathersage. I remember picking up thinking, wow, this is we one might... of your boots, Rab's boots, is like, I don't know, it's... many kilos. It, it was. You know, it, it was almost like, you know, what, what was a porter load with 30 kilos? I think four pairs of boots were about a porter load. They were, they were huge. They were warm, super warm, but wow, were they heavy. But, yeah, so, so basically what we did, you know, we... Um, you know, we tried to do this east face and we climbed and it was quite technical climbing. We, we set off up, all four of us, climbing as two, two lots of two as always. And um, we soon realised that this wasn't on. You know, there was hard climbing, then there was a big long section and then there was more hard climbing. So we... we very, very futuristic, you know, even a face now that many, many years on, people are like, yeah, I'm not going up there. Well, I, I think that, I, I don't know, I would imagine that's the case because the dangers would still be just the same. Um, so we also had permission to do, you know, if we couldn't do that, to go onto the original French route. And so we then diverted our attention. We hired some of these um, yak herders to help us carry our stuff over because there was a big pass we had to go over. Yeah. So we hired them to take us over into this, the next valley where we were, you know, the climb started. And so basically we, you know, we, we set off up at, you know, climbing. And it's a very, it's a very complicated mountain to climb because it's all kind of plateaus and steep bits and ridges and things and we, we went so it sounds far. very committing if a storm comes in and you're kind of oh, up there somewhere we were dead it's not like no, you can no, just no, no, you no, can't no, abseil no. off you, you you're basically stuck we, we we were completely stuffed you know if the weather had turned any sign of badness we you know, we would never have got down we got to one point i remember and it was about midday and we said, oh, I'm not sure if we should be continuing. You, Al and I were very apprehensive. Thought this is, this is scary territory we're in now. And, um, you know, the, you know, and Brian and Roger were discussing it as well and we'd come together. Anyway, Al and I said, no, well, let's go down. I think it's the best thing to do. Anyway, we turned round and the RBJ was three quarters way up the first pitch. What the hell? You got to go with your mates. Yeah. And so we followed them up, and you know, and we did, and you, we 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 were lucky, very lucky. We did it. We got up to the top and came back down again. And some of these ridges you're talking about the, in South America, these you. Know, Foam, foam snow thing. This was just the same. We came down one of these ridges that we climbed up. And, you know, I remember, you know, where, you know, you'd have a bucket seat. Lower, you know, you'd be lowering people who'd be on a, you know, and then the last person would, be, would have to abseil off a snowballard. And as soon as you started, you could see the rope just cutting through the snow. And basically, you were going down. You know, you were being belayed 
by the people below. And it was just cutting through and you just hoped you'd get as far as you could yeah. before it collapsed. And then you just let, you know, yeah. came tumbling down. You know, and it's, I mean, it's a big mountain. It's, it's just, you know, it's not quite 26,000 feet, but it's up there. Yes, yeah. it's, it's all that 7,800 meters. At yeah. altitude. Yeah. So you survived. Yeah, I, 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 was, I was pretty good at altitude. You know, the, you know, I could, you know, I could keep plodding on. Yeah. I must have had better legs than I have now. But you know, we got, we got down. You know, off the mountain, we we didn't have, you know, we were, we'd been days out, way beyond what we were supposed to have been, and um, the we had to now go back over the pass, that you you know, to get back to our base camp. And um, you know, we we did that, and I remember, you know, I remember thinking, if you know, we we must all have gone into a little, your own little microcosm, and I think that if anybody had fallen down in the snow, then they'd just have been left, because you could only just. You don't have enough energy. Yeah, it would. It's it. We, you know, what we did have, and we always took this, is a lot of boiled sweets with us. And I remember just, you you would pop a, a boiled sweet in your mouth and you could walk for maybe 100 paces and you just get slower and slower and then you pop it, you know. And it was, it was that, you know. On the edge. We, we were right on the edge and then we, we went down and, we, you know, the first you, we came to this, you know, yak herders, yurts, and even the big, big um, dogs that they have it didn't frighten us. We just, you know, straight into the tent, you know, kind of thing. And they gave us some smoked cheese and a bit of, you know, salty tea and stuff like that. And, you know, we revived. And but when we went back to our brace camp, um, you know, virtually everybody had gone. They all, you know, they'd thought, you know, didn't they, think you were coming they, they back. They with said we were dead, um, but we we organised and got our stuff out and got some porters. Yeah, amazingly. Uh, but very, very stupid, very fine. Did margins. that make you? Did that make you sort of reassess a bit, reframe that kind of where trips no, were going? No, and... no, because we went out again the next year. <laughs> How does that work? This, in that twelve-month period, oh, in the pub, it's, well, it's, the it's, pain it's, wears away, and the, well, all the bad bits, and you just yeah. remember the well, good it's, bits. It's, it's, you know, I, I, I can imagine it's a bit like pregnancy and things like that, and have childbirth. That you, know, you, know, never, you, know, the, the woman say never again. You, know, for, you know, after that terrible pain of you know, giving birth, and then six months later thinking, oh, I wonder if I should just have another one. <laughs> but you, but, I'm just thinking yeah. about you. You, you and Sue starting a family, starting oh, no, rabbit. Of, no, we didn't know. have a, no. No, no I was just thinking of jumping forwards though. Uh, yeah. Was was it that that made you reframe stuff a little bit? Certainly, yeah. oh, I yeah. think it did oh, for yeah. me. Oh, did oh, for oh, me. Oh, you, you oh know yes. That. No, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Because I, yeah. But the thing is that you, at that time, we we were adored by the climbing fraternity for what we were doing. You know, and probably I think. You know, we had, you know, I had Himalayan trips that, you know, people had invited me on. I had Makalu, Nupsi, 
you you every wanted us because at that time it was this this oh, what it was a, an incredible time I would imagine of this alpine style obviously a lot of people died over the years yes. going forward yeah. Yeah. so it was people were doing you know I mean the projects were extraordinary weren't they west face of Makalu people were yeah. wanting to try that and in yeah. an alpine style yeah. so this yeah. was really new stuff well, yeah, and it's sustained. And you know, you look at you know things like Sandy Allen, and you know his trip to you know that round, you know round that he did. That's the resilience of that. You know. Yeah. But there again, as 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 Don Willen said, if you if you die on the mountains, then just proves that previously you've just been lucky. <laughs> so he was a, had that pragmatic streak in him. Yes, yeah. he did. Yeah, I like Dan. <laughs> Did you, was he on any of the trips that you were on or you bumped into him in places? No, not really. no, no. More just socialising or out on the yeah, cranks? Yeah. Yeah. It, mostly in the pub. Yeah. Because yeah. that was a big part of it. And I, I, I remember myself moving to Sheffield, being a student and being up in the union on a Thursday night. And for us as young alpinists, we used to love all your stories because there was always like a, some kind of point in the story and so we were hoovering it all up learning yeah. you know but it yeah. was and I guess we were brought up with all the books we read and the stories we we, we read were about your era really mm -hmm. so it was yeah. very much we started with that alpine style mm -hmm. this is how yeah. you do it yeah. of course by the time we started climbing the kit was a lot better because yeah. people like you and Sue had started yeah. making stuff yeah. and so yeah. we we were um, privileged in a way and also the cost of travel had changed. Mm -hmm. So we were at that. Mm -hmm. So yeah. for you, that must have been a big change to yeah. start rap. Yeah. But again, yeah. was that just an organic thing? Yeah. You were just yeah. in the early yeah. days of making well, stuff. Yeah, well, you know, and, and you know, like you, you know, you say be, you went to the union, you saw these people, these kind of demigods that you thought you know, hanging on to every word. We, Al and I were the same in, Wales, we'd go in the Padan, there'd be Joe Brown, Pete Crew, Martin Boysen, all these superstars, and you think, wow, look at them, they're from, you know. And they're just people. Yeah, and they're just people. You know, you get to know it afterwards. They're just punters, just like yourself. They like the same things, and you just get on with life. You make mistakes, and hopefully you learn from them. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, so we, we started the business, Rab, in 81. Um, and that was after I'd come back from um, a trip. Well, I mean, trying to find work at that time was quite hard. You are trying... Recession. Yeah, recession. Um, you know, it's hard to imagine it now, but kind of interest rates were up at 17% and things like that. Mm. You know, kind of, you know, people can't understand that sort of level of inflation. Yeah, how do you buy a house? Or, yeah. Well, yeah, well, they were cheap then, luckily. But, um, but, uh, the, but you know, I tried to, to work with Dave Pierce at Nick Escorts Outdoor Sports. You know, I worked there for a year looking for a new premises for, to expand their, their single shop. Um, we failed in that and um, we decided that we should you know, um, go our separate ways and get on with it. Um, I got a job 
working up in a building site at Winker Bank in Sheffield. And at the same time, th started thinking, well, I've got all these ideas about making sleeping bags. I wonder if I could do anything with this. And so whilst we were doing that, I started making a few sleeping bags, repairing people's sleeping bags. You're doing, you know, just... Did you have a sewing machine? Um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, we, not before. Yeah. I, but I did, you know, I bought a, a sewing machine from somewhere in Hillsborough, second-hand you know, place in Hillsborough. Bought a sewing machine, started learning how to um, make sleeping bags. And we were doing that and we just started making a few sleeping bags for, you know, a dozen sleeping bags, say, for Brigham's. And, you know, it, it was good because we knew everybody in the in the, the outdoor trade, the retail trade. So I could just go and say, oh, hi, hi Frank. You know, what, you know, do you need any sleeping bags? You know, kind of thing. And you got immediate intro to them. And also they liked us because the name Rab was very strong in the climbing press at that time. Yeah. Things came together very luckily. You're like, you know, I could buy a roll of fabric from Carrington's just up in Dewsbury. And I could get, you know, suddenly found out that I could get feathers from one of the climbers, Sid Siddiqui, who's working with his father, was an import-export guy, and feathers was one of his things. So I got, I could get feathers there. And, you know, every, there was a lot of luck around. Serendipity. Things yeah, just yes, but, but you got to be able to grasp, it, notice yeah. the luck. See the opportunity. Yes, that's Make right. it happen. Yeah, so, so that's what we did. And then... So we, we did that, at which time Sue was pregnant and we were expecting our Liz in the, the April the 7th. Well, we didn't know at that time it was the 7th. But at that time, there was a big feature film taking place in the mountains in Switzerland. And I knew of this and... Um, I thought, right, this is a place where I can get money. And so Hamish McInnes was the safety officer, so I was immediately Hamish's best friend for a while. And, um, you know, and we worked there for a big crowd of us. Is this with the film with Sean Connery? Sean Connery was one of, yes, and Betsy, Brand, Band, ben, Betsy Brantley. Um... You know, and they, they were the protagonists and um, we were based in Pontresina near San Moritz and, you know, it, it was idyllic. <laughs> I heard some story about the, the, the partners, the wives and girlfriends, coming back to Britain on Sean Connery's jet. Is that right? Um, well, uh, well, this sort of thing happened, yes. The, you know, because you know, Sean was a superstar and... You know, he always wanted to play some golf, and there's not much golf around San Moritz. So, you know, I know that Paul Nunn got a lift back with him once um, when, he, when he had to get some tooth work sorted out after a, a drinking accident. So I'm thinking of you guys that, that normally 
you're normally hitchhiking around and now some of you are in this jet with Sean Connery. It's funny how climbing can, the places you can end up. Well, it, 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 yes, it, it, it is, you know, but th that's climbing all through and through. You never know who you're going to you know, meet up with in a climbing situation. You know, there's, there's climbers that I know that are you know, Nobel, Nobel Prize winners for science and you think, I know them. You know, and there's you know, and there's all sorts of people. You know the same thing. You know, through your guiding, yeah. you've guided princesses, Saudi exactly. pr princesses, yeah. and people like that. Yeah. It is you know, you know, you know, when people are in climbing kit, you know, everything else falls away, and they're just a guy. You're just a person. Yeah, yeah. and that's fantastic. Great leveler. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and it's. It's a bugger because the eight-year-old girl can always beat you in the boulder problem. <laughs> <laughs> but that, so that trip maybe gave you, well, sounds like it gave you some capital that helped the business. Yes, I, I came back knowing I had enough money for a whole year. It was, you know, it was fantastic. It, you know, it, it bankrolled at, you know, the, the whole of Rab. And so it meant that I could take rent prop... Um, premises away from the house because at that time we were working out the attic with down rolling down the stairs and, and it, it, was, it was pretty chaotic and um and you know we we rented a place down in Mearsbrook and it was the same place where Hamish Hamilton was working with Buffalo yeah and so we we got you know to you know to understand a bit more about the business because I didn't know anything but I would imagine all the way through you had a pretty clear, like the values, what it was all about. It was about good product and solving problems for people. That, was that, that what it was all about? Yes, that was my, you know, my sole purpose at the, that starting up was to be able to, um, just to be able to produce gear that climbers would want, the sort of gear that I wanted. Because up to then, it had not been like that. It'd been a lot of stuff had been designed by people who were not top-notch climbers, and so you know, kind of the the air, you know the the down jackets in those days were kind of Michelin man things which you couldn't move in, and so you know you and as things progressed with you, obviously you were working with fabric technology and helping. I guess it was symbiotic that relationship. That's that's right. That was great because um, we. There was a guy came along to see Hamish once and he called in to see me, a guy called Stephen Laycock, who worked for Perseverance Mill, that had this new fabric that was absolutely the dog's bollocks. It was wonderful. And um, that fabric was Pertex, which was the first microfiber that, and they had produced it. And he said, do you want to use this? I said, we talked about how how it would the material would be presented to us, your what finishes it should have, and they went away, did it, and we said, right, how much fabric have you got? And that was that that was really a crucial point for Rab, because we were we were one of the first companies, along with Buffalo, to use Pertex in our products, and the difference between that material 
and the heavier two ounce nylon that we'd been using up to then, it was like, it, it was getting like getting into silk sheets instead of getting into a crisp packet. And um, you were, and, and you were obviously the new generation of climbers that were going out doing things. You had connections with them, and obviously we worked together, and it was a very yeah. simple relationship. Yeah. Go and try that. Yeah. Come back. Tell, tell me what you think about it. Yeah. If you get some photos, great. But yeah, yeah you know, it doesn't matter. I, yeah. I remember we. Trying to think of it, it was on the cross spur. We had a sleeping bag. I still got it. Yeah. It's fantastic. It's yeah. Still in great shape. I yeah. mean, that's um, divine providence. We had the uh, the Kinder yeah. smocks. I remember being really annoyed on day two where I was just sorting my sleeve out with my teeth, and I, I kind of somehow tore it. So there are a few feathers. Uh, but I think that was Pertex. The yes. outer of that. Yeah. Um, well, the, the, yeah. The, the Kinder smock that was a, an eye opener actually, and that was Pete Livesey that was the instigator wow. of that. Well, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, because Pete Pete Livesey came along, and he was he Pete was a great, in certain respects, a great guy. He wasn't always very nice, but he was, he, he, you know, but he was ahead of his time really, and was multidisciplined, and he was a great runner as well as a great climber, and he was doing the Carrymore Mountain Marathons. And part of it was, you know, they had to carry lightweight, they, they had to carry all the gear with them while they were doing this. So he came to me, he said, right, I want to have a warm jacket, waterproof material, and it to weigh no more than a pound. So I laughed at him, I said, no way, but I'll try, as you do. You like a challenge. Yes, yeah, so, so we did, and, you know, at that time we could get I could buy Gore-Tex and stitch through it. You know, they, they hadn't sorted out all the rules and regulations. And from that, I produced the first Kinder jacket, which, you know, you know, of all the products I produced, I thought was the best product I ever produced because you, have, you at last had... A jacket where you could actually raise your arms, you could climb in it. With a harness on, you could still yep. move your arms. Yes, yeah. it, it was. And it was a, a design, I, I'd got this design on our 75, 76 trip when I was in Buenos Aires. And a guy called Jim Bridwell turned up. The Jim Bridwell. Yeah. And he had, he had this jacket. He was staying, he was, he'd come round. Everybody came round to Hector's and we were all at Hector's. And um, anyway, he, he said, oh, I've got this really good jacket. Look at this. So Hector Vietes and I looked at this and said, oh, can we borrow this for a minute? <laughs> so we grabbed this and I then... You know, lay it out and you know, and measured it up. Almost like a pattern. And yeah. I, on the back of an envelope, I had this. I had all all the angles. I had a protractor giving me the angles, all the distances. Suddenly, and the, the scale was useful. The mass had come in useful Eventually. at last. And I and I kept this. And I say I probably kept this pattern. That was be about seventy five. It might have been ten years later that I thought, oh, I better get find that. Pattern again, yeah. and that that pattern ended up the pattern that we used for all, all of our garments. Brilliant! I think that that that's what I, I you know, think about you, Rob. Is seeing things through. 
<laughs> Eventually, might yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll just keep this. I don't know when it will come yeah. in, but I'm sure it will at some point. Brilliant jacket, so simple. Yeah, that's what you know. Yeah. And obviously, it wasn't a full zip. It was a yeah. it was a smock, so you pull it on. Yeah, yeah. And what it was, I tell you, what was nice about that was, it was the first time you start. I started seeing the Rab logo on the high street. You're on yeah. the not on your back because it Hunter's Bar. There were a lot of climbers around, and they bought into that product in Sheffield. When I was at uni, absolutely, that was the jacket. Yeah, you had one of those. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Because yeah. there, there were certain iconic garments that you needed. There was the Berghaus Triangle Jacket, which was your big jazzy yeah. jacket yeah. and your waterproof. But that piece was something that I think you know. If you're thinking you want certain things in your wardrobe that you can use all over, that was the jacket because, yeah, yeah I can use it in the house. I can use it when I'm bouldering or out yeah. on the grip. I can use it yeah. going down to the wall. Yeah. You can or, use it in many different things. Or going things. to the pub. Exactly. So yeah. it's just a, yeah. a, a, become a, an absolute yeah. classic. And then things, I guess, grew yeah. with the business. Yeah. yeah we How long did you run the business for? I ran it from... I ran it from the, the, the 81 until um, till 2003. And by that stage, your kids had grown up? Well, Jack was at university. Liz was, she'd flown the nest by then. Um, she was in London. But, um, yeah, we, we'd, we'd moved from Mears, rented accommodation in Mearsbrook. We're down at Edward Street in Shalesmore. Um, we employed up to about you know fifty people. We were you know we were doing you know we had a nice business that we were manufacturing. We were basically a manufacturing and designing very hands team. on, very hands on. Everything made out of Sheffield. You know every piece of fabric was looked at. I can remember you dropping, I think, a sleeping bag off to me a few times for trips, you know, the night before I'm flying, and you were, I remember one time the people, who's this guy? Because you were just covered in feathers. Yeah. And you were stud. <laughs> yeah. And obviously they didn't, they weren't necessarily climbers, yeah. other people in the house. Yeah, yeah. Who's well, that guy? I said, oh, you, you kind of make sleeping bags. Yeah, well, <laughs> well I, I remember going to the union some nights and somebody saying, oh, is it snowing out there? And I said, no, it's probably feathers. <laughs> but, um, as long as they didn't get any beer. Yeah, that's right. But, um, but it, yes, and we were still manufacturing out of Sheffield when other people were manufacturing in China. The world was changing. The whole thing had started changing. People were not looking at what the product was so much as what are the margins, what's this, what's that, how can we make, you know... That commercial aspect. Yeah, the commercial side of it. And... When Matt Gower came along and said, oh, are you interested in selling? I said, well, yes. And Sue was saying, not ready yet. No, no, Jack's still at university. I'm saying, I think we were, we're ready for, you know, we, let, let's see, what are you going to offer us? And of course, you just... And, a, a, yeah. and Sue was there going, oh, well, you know, Think we can hold out for a bit a lot more i said no no bite his hand off and you were in obviously you're, you're someone who's always enjoyed your rock climbing you had a great partnership with martin for this time yeah, and yeah doing, I'd, I'd, know, I'd wooed martin um when we were in switzerland i thought 
he's a guy that I fancy climbing with. You know, I went out, I, I remember, kind of, oh, should we go climbing? Should we do this? Yeah. And, and we, we had a great... A good relationship. We had a great relationship all the way through the 80s as our kids. Because Maggie and Sue got, you know, we still got on really well together. We'll see them this weekend. Yeah. Um, you know, their Katie was, she was older than our kids, but we got, all got on very well together. So it was I, great for holidays. And then I started seeing more of you when, after you'd, so you'd sold the business and you we were doing the trips to Malham. Yeah. Obviously Steve Mack, Steve McClure. Yeah. And you you were on fire, basically. You suddenly focused on, I guess you were thinking, what were you thinking? Well, how far can I push my sports climbing? Yes. It, well, it, Enjoy but, that. But, but, yes. But, but there was a progression, you know, as there always is in climbing. Because we had moved from, you know, you know, we'd done all the Alpine stuff. Now, that was too got too dangerous and we'd, we'd been that. And um, then we, you know, we were doing a lot of, you know, proper, you know, trad climbs with Martin, the lakes, Wales, everywhere. Just, you know, and climbing really well, both of us. And going on trips, clipping bolts on trips and things. And then we suddenly thought, you're on grit. We're not brave enough for some of these other routes. And I got in with Mike Lee and people like that who were doing head pointing. So you would actually spend a bit of time and you might pre-place gear. You know, we always said check what the we're moves done. out and stuff. Yeah, yeah. and um, and so we we there was a, a spell when we we did you know, hard climbs. You were kind of practicing them, and and that suited me because I love the movement. You know, okay, I was brave, but I, that wasn't my forty bravery, um, and um, so I loved that process. And then when I retired, more time. You know, during the week, I started climbing with Al Austin, who was part of the Mike, you know, that Mike Lee group, and we'd we'd done some of that head pointing stuff together, and um, you know, I remember saying to him, "Oh well, I'm retired now. Are you, you know," and he says, "Oh, I'm retired too." I said, "Well, let's start climbing," and so we started going up to Malham, and um, eventually we we linked up and. You know, Al would come from Nottingham, we'd meet, you know, um, Steve, Mac and whoever. And, you know, four of us would always, you know, go up to, to Malham on a Tuesday and a Thursday. And that was set in stone. And first eight, how old and, were you? Yeah, yeah, that was in my, you know, the 60th year. So we were 59. But so was Al. And me, he did it the same day. Great. He, you know, I did it first and then he did it. As usual, he did it a far better style than I did it. But, you know, I'm sure he'll thank it, you for saying that, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but, but that was always Al, you know, he, you know, I was a bit more, you know, hit and miss. Like on, on doing that, um, I got to, to almost to the second last move, which was quite a powerful move. And I, I realised that I didn't have the strength to make it. 
But I knew there was a bit of a, I'd never been there, but I knew it looked as if there was a rest, a bit of a rest down and a bit lower. So I stepped across right and I was resting then, but I was then looking at about two or three foot of climbing to clip the chains on terrain I'd never ever been on before. So I don't, felt know what, exciting. I, don't, I don't know what powered me, but I got up, clawed my way up through this. There was no way I was dropping it. But it's funny thing, I would imagine it felt great to do it and... Oh, it was. It was uh, well, what was so great about it was that, um, you know, Al went on the next trip, you know, the next time, you know, I, you know and did it yeah. perfectly. Yeah. You know, and, you know, so the two of us, we, we must have been like Cheshire cats, because we were the only people up on the upper tier, and walked down and, you know, you know there was Steve Mack and the rest of them, and we smiles out to about here. Brilliant. It was phenomenal. And it's great, isn't it, that climbing that, you know, can give you, you know, all those different experiences. You know, we've talked about South America and the Alps and Jano and all throughout the years. Somehow you find a way with sometimes different people doing slightly different things, but there's a there's an arrow going through it all, isn't there? Oh, ab absolutely. And, and, you know, you know we're, we're pretty simple souls. You know, we, we, we don't ask for an awful lot because, you know, I've seen Martin and I and, and Tom Leopard as well, you know, kind of going out to likes of Hellsby and, and Frodsham, you know, in a wet afternoon and finding like, you know, three foot of dry rock and just spending hours yeah. trying different little boulder problems and everything. And you, yeah. you think, you, you look back on it, you think, what grown men doing that? But what a release it is. Playing out for grown-ups. I know, it's fantastic. Brilliant, Rab. Well, great to chat. Thanks a lot. Good to speak to you. Thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to subscribe, hit like, or leave comments. That would be brilliant. See you next time.